Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Well, welcome to church. You may be seated. My name's Caleb, if we haven't met yet. One of the Calebs. I get asked that all the time. Isn't there another one? Yeah, there is. Double Calebs, the best kind. Hey, uh, if you're new to Highway, a huge welcome. This is our my location. We have a Gilston and an online one as well, and we're just in a cool season as a church at the moment. I've, this is a real different message that I've prepared tonight, and I don't really know where it's going to end up, so just bear with me, but we'll find out together. How's that sound? I was reading in Acts chapter 17, and Paul stands up. I'm going to read from verse 22. Sorry, there's no notes on the screen, so you'll have to follow me in your Bibles or off my reading. So I'm going to read Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, what is that, Areopagus? What is that? It's a rock in the middle of the city. They kind of use it as like their high court, their sort of official meeting place. And, and, he, and he stands up and says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. And they're like, Amen, come on, this is awesome. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Is that interesting? <laughs> that in this polytheistic world where there's all these gods, they even had like a just-in-case God. You know what I'm talking about? Like, of all our spouse, maybe it's the unknown God that we need to do something to so that we can get God to act and manipulate him so he'll do what we want to the unknown God. And, and Paul says, Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you. So Paul finds their whole system and he preaches Jesus in the midst. He preaches Yahweh, the one true God, in the midst of what they were worshipping. And he says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life breath and all things. I was so challenged by that thought that He's not worshipped with human hands as though he needed anything. Have you ever felt like you're doing God a favour? Have you ever felt like I'm making God look really good? Have you ever felt like God really needs me? God... Anyone? I feel like, especially in my job, I feel like I'm paid to think that. I'm paid to think I'm God's man. God really needs me. Caleb, you're kind of a big deal. Both Caleb's. These are both a big deal, Caleb's. As though he needed anything. It's real humbling to know that God doesn't need us. But he wants us. He wants you. This message I've titled it, it Candy Christianity. Random title. But as I'm thinking that, you know, that God doesn't need anything from us, I thought of what we kind of try to do for God and with God and and I think that sometimes we almost this, create this candy Christian message or this like, we, we kind of sugar God up a little bit. It's like sugar-coated peanuts. If you don't like peanuts, what about sugar-coated peanuts? We try to make God look more attractive or more palatable to our current culture or the generation that we find ourselves in. We're trying to make God more relevant as though if he wasn't in the first place. We try and market God by adding on this candy Christianity, but sometimes when we add sugar on things, we ruin the taste or the message. 
and in us trying to make Christianity and God more contemporary or more relevant, we're actually turning people off rather than showing them who God really, really is. Do you know that you do not need to make God look good? It's not our job to make God look good. Because God is good. As I was speaking before in Exodus 33 verse 18, Moses says to God, he says, please show me your glory. Then God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will be compassionate on whom I will be compassionate. You don't need to make him look good. God, by very nature, is good. You don't need to make him look loving, because my Bible tells me that God is his love. In the next chapter from that, this is when it kind of is all going down and, and it all happens and it says, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiveness. In 1 John 4, 7, 11, you like that? More than just a slurpee. It says, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. For he who does not love does not know God, for God is, God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us. Why do we try and make our message different? Why do we try to change it? Why do we try to seek these different aspects and views of what I believe the Bible was always saying? Am I saying that we can just stand on dogma and random one-off sayings? No, I'm not. I'm saying, hey, let's research God afresh. And I'm loving it. Like, our culture has this thing every now and then when they say, oh, get on the right side of history. Tell me a time when God wasn't. Like, like legit. Tell me one time when God wasn't. Humanity was not always, not at all. But God was. I look at my Bible and I read massive, there's massive steps and leaps forward when they rediscover that, wait a minute, God, you weren't like that. We were doing all this stuff and you were never into that. One of them is Abraham when he takes his son Isaac up because human sacrifice was a thing. And then he feels like God told him to sacrifice your son because it was a normal thing. If the gods desired it, you did it. So Abraham's there ready to kill his only son. Really? Are you into this, God? And God's like, stop. <laughs> Don't kill your son. I'm not into that. And he's like, What? But in my worldview, in the circumstance that I was in, everything that I knew, I thought you were like that, God. It was a massive leap forward. Before that, I missed one. Before that, even Eve. <laughs> like, like we think it was in the last few hundred years that, women's got, that women got given rights, but God made Adam and then he made Eve off women's side. They were like co-laborers in the garden. They both had the same job. They were equal in God's eyes. The story of Jonah is a legendary. It's one that always just slips out in my preaching all the time lately. He gets sent to his enemies. And he has this revelation that, wait a minute, God, you're good and you love my enemies? 
You're not going to stand by and kill my enemies while, while I celebrate that? It was a leap forward. It was like, wait a minute, God. <laughs> you love them? We see a giant leaps forward in Jesus' ministry when he loved and he accepted sinners. He sat at the table with them. He enjoyed the company of ordinary people. Jesus used women in his ministry. The early church, when they realized that God wasn't just the God of the Jews, but he loved the Gentiles as well. Our message is good. Our God is good. Our God is love. It's who our God is. So why do we feel the urge like we have to almost cover up for God? I, I spent some time talking to some new Christians lately, some people that are just totally fresh to this whole thing, and they're like, sluts. Like, that's my nickname, sluts. It's a brand. <laughs> um, they're like, sluts. Like, God seems hectic. God seems really crazy in the Old Testament. Like, he seems like he's doing this and he's doing that. And I'm, I'm trying to describe, like, articulate in like a two-minute conversation. I'm going, no, 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 but humanity was. And, and the Bible was taking people on a journey to say, hey, you know what? You thought I was like this, but I'm showing you my goodness. You thought this, and it's taking a leap forward. And, and we're in this privileged position now in 2021 where we have this revelation, not just of the Bible, but generations after that as well, of an unraveling, un, un, like a more beautiful, filled picture of who God is. We can see more of the story than any other time in history. He's good. But when we shrink back to this candy Christianity, it, this is random, but it rots our teeth, so we're unable to process more. Remember when you, as a kid, don't eat too much, it'll rot your teeth. Don't eat too much sugar, it'll rot your teeth. There's more than what we've experienced in the past. Let's not get stuck with what we've had or what we've always known. Let's explore the Bible. I've been trying to do it like with fresh eyes again lately. Because if, you, if you've read the Bible a few times, it's like, I find my mind jumping ahead of myself. And I'm finishing lines, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, skip that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Yeah, I heard that story. Yeah, I've heard someone preach about that. Yeah, I've got the podcast. But it's not until I go, no, no, God, speak to me afresh. And I open up my Bible in humility, and I go, God, you know what? I don't know this all. God, speak to me. Show me what you're really like. Help me understand this story and where it fits in who you are. Let's ask him to speak like Amy powerfully did before. He's willing to speak to us. And one of the greatest ways that we have, maybe you've never heard the voice of God before, but he speaks through his word. I encourage you to open your Bible afresh. We're living in an age where we have all this candy Christianity when we can have our popular top five speakers, where we can have almost like our cool worship songs and, no, what? I'm Maverick City all the way. You hold it all together. That's my jam. That trumps your Hillsong United album. We have all this thing in it, and it's like, no, no, wait a minute. Let's just re-seek God again together as a church. Let's ask him to speak. And you know what, God? Have this challenge. You know what? When, when I learn something, when you show me something fresh in your word, I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm actually going to try and apply it. I'm going to try and use it. Isn't that what happens with sugar? When we eat too much and don't exercise, we get fat. There's this excellent message. <laughs> Dan knows exactly where I'm going. 
and this legend, and I'm not going to rip him because I can't do it as good as he does, but he talks about this, you know, the body of the church, and it's really harsh, but just, it's not my words, it's his. <laughs> and he says, everybody has, like, muscle or fat. Are you the muscle or are you the fat? <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what are you saying? He's like, no, 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 because I'm, I'm working at my faith. I'm putting into practice what I learned. I'm ready to run, God. Show me where to go, and I'll do it. Show me what to apply, and I'll apply it. You see, sometimes this candy Christianity lifestyle, it lives from one sugar rush to the next. I've experienced this in my own life. Have you? I love Super Dupers. Anyone else? I only recently realized how much I love them because I bought them for our son, Jethro. And it was like rediscovering like nostalgia in a plastic sleeve. I don't even know what you call that. You know the Zuba Dupas, the ice, icy poles? They're like, you can only buy Zuba Dupas. You can't buy the home brand ones or whatever anymore. I don't know why. That's what we had when we were kids. But I brought these Zuba Dupas and I'm like, oh, I'll buy them for Jethro. That'll be cool. I reckon I ate about 23 out of the 24 packet. <laughs> I just asked him. I just, every night I was like, eating these things. And then the next time I go back to Coles, it was a trap. I don't know. Maybe they know everything. And they were like on the, the two for deal, you know, like the two for eight bucks or something. So I brought two packs, as you do. But I found myself kept going back to the fridge, going back to the fridge, going back to the fridge. I felt like I couldn't watch TV with Kim or whatever without a zooper duper in my mouth. It was like I just needed more of this sugar. But I wonder if we're like that with God sometimes. That we experience God in a youth meeting or we experience God when we're a teenager. So we keep trying to recreate the same thing with this emotional feeling or this presence of God and this, like, I just need those goosebumps. And when I get the goosebumps, then I'll be okay and I can get through. But maybe it wasn't about that. Maybe it was more than an emotional response. Maybe God is more than the hype that I've felt in youth ministry. Maybe it's more than seeing the next move, you see. I love what 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things aside. I'm not a child anymore. I can't be bribed by sugar. Our kids can. I do it all the time. <laughs> so good. Can I have a bit of a, no, you clean your room and then you can have one for sure. But I'm not living my life for this next high moment. I think our Christianity needs to become more than an external feeling. I'm after inward transformation. But you know what? It's really easy to preach. Sorry. It happens to all of us about this age, my voice. I used to chase this external feeling. But now I'm after this inward transformation. It's easier to chase a feeling because when the band just don't quite hit the, that moment, then I can blame someone else. When the lighting guy's flashing lights in my eyes, then it's Matt's fault that I didn't experience God. But when it's an inward transformation, there's no scapegoats left anymore. And it's so hard because I like having an opinion and I like being right and I like holding my offense against that person. And I like, you know, pretending like I don't see them at school pick up anymore. But that's not a luxury that I have when I open up my God and say, hey, 
my life and I open up my heart and say, hey, God, you know what? You can have it all. Maybe that's not just a great lyric that we sung, but maybe it's a lifestyle that we could live. I believe God's after an inward transformation rather than external feeling. Maybe this is what living water was always supposed to be about. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets this Samaritan's woman just down the road at Jacob's well. and It, is, it was at Jacob's well, not this one though. But he meets this Samaritan woman and at the well that Jacob dug, Jacob's well, filling you guys in. And I'll read from John chapter 4, verse 13. Then Jesus answered, he's talking to the woman, and he says, If you drink from Jacob's well, you will be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. I love this. This is the Passion Translation. And then it says, For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. Springing up and flooding you with endless life. This is the living water that we have access to. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? I I open up my life to God, and you know what? He came in. And then so that I can actually believe that I can have this living water, this Holy Spirit on the inside of me, that He can flood me with endless life, that he can become a fountain of the Holy Spirit, that I have this indwelling presence inside of me, that I don't need to chase an external high. But I work on my heart and I say, Holy Spirit, lead and guide me afresh. Speak to me. Speak through me, Holy Spirit. Show me your ways afresh in my life. We don't need to live from one sugar rush to the next. We don't need to make God look good as if we could offer him anything. If you get one thing from my message, please get this. Your Christianity is your responsibility. It's not a box that we tick on a census. It's a life that we live every single day. Would we be a church? Would we be people that would read our Bibles afresh that would seek God with open minds and open hearts and say, you know what, God, lead and guide me. Holy Spirit, prompt me and I'll stop doing those things or I will start to do the things that you want me to do. And we'll see what happens from there. Can I pray? Hey, God, we just fix our attention on you right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray over every life in this room. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just minister to each heart right now. God, I just pray, Lord, that something that I've spoken about tonight, God, would encourage us to live a fresh life for you. God, not one where we're covering up or trying to market you, God, but one where we're just so in love with you because you first loved us. And God, right now, I just pray for anyone that doesn't know you or is distant from you in their mind or their heart. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would just reveal your your truth to them. God, that you would just show them that you're real in this moment. And God, that they would know, Lord, that you're their ever-present help in time of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you come up, babe? Go from there. Thank you.